my heart is so heavy this morning. Oh, I think sometimes, man, we just, if we would just stop. I'll tell you, we had a, I had a moment last night. I may not even preach <laughs> the message. I don't care. I'll tell you what I'm tired of. I'm, I'm tired of running three services because we can't just linger in the presence of God if I'm just being honest with you. I'm, I'm tired of that. We, uh, I think the survey on the land will be done this week, and then we will close on the land as soon as humanly possible. And then we won't be friends with anybody involved anymore after this because I have been hassling them daily for weeks except for the survey people they'll only talk to dad they won't talk to me anymore <laughs> so I hassle dad every day but I can't wait till we build on that land so if we want to just worship for an hour and a half and go home we can do it <laughs> but last night there was just a uh, just a It's just so, it's a real and it's a tangible thing. It's a powerful thing. It's not religion. There's something real about it. And when you find yourself in the middle of it, there's, there's, there's not much you can do except just rest in it. Last night, we, a very small group of us as a family uh, that have just had a season where one by one by one, they've just surrendered their life to Jesus, and they all wanted to be baptized together last night. And so just a few of us went over to the lake and just stood on this little beach and just worshiped together. And I just I was just standing there and just looking at this family and just seeing the realness in their faith in Jesus. And there's something that cannot be faked in this life, something that cannot be duplicated. When a human soul and a human heart and a human mind finds Jesus, it is more of a miracle than the day Jesus Christ raised Lazarus from the dead. I'm telling you, when people talk about sometimes like we don't see miracles anymore, to my calculation, we've seen at least 378 miracles in this house in the last few years. And that's just the ones that I, I've counted, that I've had, that I know. And there's more, I believe. And I just, truly, the victory that we have in Jesus Christ, it is substantial. It is substantial. And I told every single one of the six last night, I told every single one of them that salvation isn't the end of a thing, but it is the beginning of the rest of eternity. And, and I think the heaviness, this is the last message in this series, but the heaviness of my heart, I think over the last few weeks, and especially today, is that I think so much of the time we look at salvation as almost like the end or the goal or the, or the thing. It's, salvation is just the beginning of a life with Jesus, and not just this life, but this life, and then whatever eternity is on the other side of death. And it's a powerful thing. And Jesus wanted us 
took time. He had three years and he could have done anything he wanted, any way he wanted. And one of the things that he concentrated on over and over and over again was teaching them to live, not just get saved by faith, but live out of faith. And today I'm going to preach a message and I'm, I'm going to cut about half of it out that I was going to preach. I'm just going to, I'm going to give a basic beginning and then I just want to get to the part that the Lord has just laid so heavy on my heart. Uh, this is Matthew 14, 22. And this is the story of, of Jesus when he walks on water and when Peter uh, walks on water for a minute. And this is a powerful story. And if you've grown up in church, you've heard it a dozen times, I'm sure. But I, I always caution when we get into a message like this that's revolving around a story that is so well known. Many times we think in our minds, well, I've, I've gotten it, I've heard it, and we just kind of tune out. And I don't want you to do that today because there's power in this. And the the cool thing about the story is that this, this story takes place in about uh, the most impactful 24-hour period of the disciples' time with Jesus. This is just one thing right in the middle of this. And what precedes this is the feeding of the 5,000 people and, and what comes the following day in the morning uh, when he, he arrives as Jesus begins uh, telling, truly revealing the reality of who he is. He gives the bread of life message that begins to, it's one of the first times that he begins to openly make known that he is God. And it's just a, it's just a powerful, powerful thing. And, and it's important because in Matthew 14, 22, the story begins out with the word immediately. And it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. And you have to stop just for a second. I'm going to go very fast through this. He says immediately because there was something taking place that we, we don't see the perspective in Matthew, but we do see the perspective in John. We see that Jesus was, uh, showed up in that area. It says it's an it's a isolated area. It's, it's away from the towns and the villages. And he began to heal people the following morning. And thousands and thousands of people came out. Uh, and they brought all their sick, and Jesus began to heal them all day, all day, all day. And, and none of them really planned on staying out there all day because nobody brought any food except for this one little kid brought five loaves of bread and two loaves of fish, or two fish. And the, Peter basically stole this from this child because you don't think about it in the moment, but when, when they said, hey, we need to send away all the people, and Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them? And they answer, all we have are the five loaves of bread and these two fish, what they don't tell you is they just had already taken them from this child. The thing you don't think about is they didn't know Jesus was about to use them for a miracle. They had already had them in their possession, though. Have you ever thought about that? They just took them from the little kid. And Peter was like, I got mine. And, uh, and, and Jesus says something powerful to them, and, and he says, why don't you feed them? And they say, we can't. We only have the, the five loaves of uh, bread and the two fish. And Jesus says, bring them to me. And the Bible says specifically that Jesus began to break them uh, and that he provided the sustenance for these people, but he gave them to the disciples and then the disciples gave them to the people. And there was a powerful 
thing that Jesus was trying to teach to the disciples. And we learn from Mark's perspective of this story that they did not get it. They didn't, this is that their heart was hardened. And Mark uh, 5, Mark 4, Mark something, hang on. Mark 6, 52. Uh, For they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. And so the, the event that they find themselves in, Jesus walking out on the water, them stuck out in the ocean, this all came, Mark says, this all came because Jesus was trying to teach them a powerful lesson, but their heart was hardened. They did not gain the insight or the understanding from the loaves. And so when Jesus broke open the bread and broke the fish and handed it out, he fed 5,000 people. And this tipped the scales and we see this in John's perspective. This tipped the scales in the people's hearts and their minds. And John says that they were so overwhelmed by the power of Jesus Christ that they wanted to immediately, the Bible says, force him to be king or make him king by force. That means against Jesus. We're going to make Jesus king. And they were going to use this as a political moment to establish themselves as a nation and separate from Rome. This was no small thing. This was significant, and this was not according to the will of God, and this opens up the reality of how so many people, even today, even people in this room, how we live our lives is that we see uh, the power of Jesus, and we see the truth of Jesus and the wisdom of Jesus, and then we want to take the power of Jesus, and we want to use it for our agenda and for our will and for our life's plan rather than seeing the power of Jesus and then submitting and surrendering to that power and aligning our lives with Jesus. We want to align the power of Jesus with our will. And this is unchristian, unbiblical, wicked in a sense. Think about what I'm saying to you. They wanted to use the power of Jesus to fulfill their human political agendas. But I'll stay away from politics right now. And so Jesus, this, this bothered Jesus to a great degree. He could not allow this to happen. And so he immediately made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. The real word there is not terrified. It's troubled. It means it's agitated. It unsettled them. Then fear crept in. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. All right, so I want you to just... I want you to get into the story in this moment. You have to understand the reality of what's happening. Jesus made them, against their will, get into a boat and go to the other side of the lake. Now, this trip should have taken three hours at the most. Okay, this is, it, it, it's, it's, it's not an ocean. It's not some great sea. 
uh, th they should have, it should have taken less than three hours to get across, but it, it took them all night, and still right before dawn, they were still out in the middle of the lake. The reason was is because when, when Jesus sent them away, he went up on the mountain to pray. It said that the wind suddenly rose up and came against them so strong that once they got a considerable distance away, the wind and the waves became so strong, it buffeted the boat, and so they were rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing, but weren't going anywhere. And then the, the, the Bible said, hashtag your life sometimes. So, like, you with me? And so Jesus, and this is just thing, and I think sometimes we just read over stuff and we don't think about the reality of what it said. It says, then Jesus waited until about dawn, and then he walked out on the water. Okay, he walked out on the water to them, right, through the night. And he got out on the water, and when they saw him, they thought it was a ghost. I mean, it's like it, un it unnerved them. It, terrified's not, I mean, I'm sure they were scared. It says they cried out in fear, but that word, it unnerved them. It unsettled them. It troubled them. It agitated them. They were like something terrible was happening. And they cried out in fear, but Jesus immediately said, it's I, don't, don't be scared. Take courage. Don't be afraid. It's me. And they instantly knew that it was Jesus. And then Peter said something, and this is the thing I, I want you to understand. This is, this is one of those things where it's like, you don't know like, what's rolling around in Peter's brain right now. Like he knows it's Jesus, and, it, and he makes this statement. He says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And I, just me, I'm just like, what? what <laughs> why? Like, what is he, like, what, I mean, what, how do you even, I mean, he's creative, arrogant, but creative. Like, what, why, why? He knew something. Now, you've you got to remember, you've got to remember the situation that Peter's found himself in. His heart was hardened. He didn't get that Jesus was trying to teach them a powerful lesson through the breaking of the bread, namely that he is the one who gives life. He's the one who sustains life. He is Jesus. He's the son of God. And this is the way that life is, that he will give sustenance, that he will give the bread of life, that he will, he will sustain us in this life, both physically, spiritually, and emotionally, that he is the great giver of life and the great sustainer of life. But their hearts were hardened, and they saw that as a as a. a, a, a opportunity to leverage it for their own human will. So this is the mindset that Peter is now in this boat. And now he, again, he says, all right, if it's you, knowing that it's him, he says, tell me. Now you need to know something about tell me. Tell me, is, this isn't tell me like, hey, tell me how your day was, Jesus. Tell me how the fish was that you broke. Tell me how dinner tasted. Tell me if my breath smells bad, Jesus. This tell me literally means command or to bid. Right? Peter was saying, command me to come out onto, onto the water. Command me to come to you out on the water. And, and, and I, I don't know that I'll ever fully understand the why behind Peter's questioning what was going through his brain. But Jesus took this as an opportunity to reteach the lesson that he was trying to teach him on the beach through a blessing. And I just am confident that when, when Jesus blesses us, that if we don't learn the power of the lesson and the power of what he's doing through the blessing, that he will bring a storm into our life to teach us the lesson. 
And Peter, Peter says this thing to command me to come out onto the water to you. And you've you got to understand, if you were here last week, you know what Peter and the rest of the disciples had already learned, that there was deep-seated power in the commands of Jesus, in the words of Jesus, because it wasn't just too many days, maybe weeks away from this moment prior to this situation that they were in a storm, a hurricane-like storm, and all of their lives were being threatened, and they were in grave danger, and they watched Jesus command the wind to cease and the waves to be still, and they listened. Peter had already learned that Jesus had some severe power, some epic power to command the things of earth, that there was something powerful about the words of Jesus. And so remember what faith is. This whole, whole series is about faith and living out of faith. Faith is never believing for something. Faith is always believing someone. And this is an absolute epic poster child example of what living out of faith or living by faith is because Jesus gave a command and Peter believed the words of Jesus and climbed out of the boat and began to walk on water. All right, and I, I, need you to, I need you to understand the reality of what is taking place in this moment because if you're not careful, you will jump onto the same boat that the, the people on the shore who were trying to use the power of Jesus for their own will, you'll, you, you'll, you'll jump over into their camp if you're not careful if you think that there was something powerful happening through Peter in that moment, because there wasn't. Peter wasn't doing anything powerful. Peter, Peter didn't have, have any power. Peter, there, nothing about Peter changed. Not, nothing about Peter's situation. Not, nothing, not, Peter didn't all of a sudden get the ability to like a hidden tiger flying, dragging himself across the water. All right, he, he, didn't, he didn't learn how to fly or how to levitate. All Peter was doing was living out of faith and belief in the command of Jesus. And then he was walking in obedience of that command. And it was the power of Jesus that was sustaining the water under him to bear up his weight. All Peter was doing was out of faith, walking in obedience to the words of Jesus. And it was Jesus' power. It was Jesus' plan. It was Jesus, everything about Jesus that was sustaining the water under Peter. Peter didn't have any power in him in this moment. He was just living out of faith. And see, this begins to paint a picture of life. True life, real life, a life living by faith and out of faith in Jesus Christ. Because there's a thing that develops in, in, in Christians, especially really good Christians, the best Christians. They start to believe the longer that they walk on water, that they've somehow obtained a power or a new ability to do a thing that they couldn't do before, but now they have the power to do it. But Peter didn't have the power to walk on water. He only had the power to obey Jesus Christ, and it was the power of Jesus that sustained the water. There was nothing about Peter that was sustaining the water. Does that make sense? And I think what happens is, and you, and you, have, to, you have to just understand the reality, is what happens is, is when we, we get saved and we begin to live by faith, we begin to live out of faith. Early on, we are well aware that it is the power of Jesus that is propping our life up. 
we're well aware that it's the power of Jesus that's holding back the pride and the arrogance in our life. That it's the power of Jesus that all of a sudden comes into a marriage that was on the rocks one day away from signing divorce papers and suddenly just through a crazy powerful way the Holy Spirit and the truth of God comes in, sustains, changes hearts, molds minds and all of a sudden you're in the best marriage season of your entire life within days and weeks of God moving in it. And in that moment you are so aware that it is the power of Jesus that is propping you up and that is sustaining the path that you're on. But when you live in it long enough and you walk long enough there's this curse inside the human mind that we begin to think suddenly that we have now walked long enough learned enough done enough devotionals gone to church enough gave enough money done enough of the right things that we now all of a sudden have some type of power to do the work of Jesus at will but we don't ever we start thinking if I just if I stand the right way, if I if I remember, memorize the right amount of scripture, if I if I do enough church things and enough Jesus things that, that one day I'll arrive in a place where I can sustain myself in life. Where I can I can dictate how things go. I can I can hold things together in life. Peter struggled with this over and over and over again, as do all the disciples, as do all of us. Jesus was trying to teach them a powerful truth, a powerful lesson about faith on the shore. He was trying to teach them that I am the giver of life, the provider of life, the sustainer of life. I am the one when you are in the desert of this world. I'm the one that will provide the bread from heaven and the manna up out of the ground. When you are in need of power to walk away from sin, it will never be your power, but it will be the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Ephesians says that the same power that was in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead and set him next to the Father, that that spirit and his power is within us, but it is the Holy Spirit's power. It is not our power to will at our own use and our own desire say I'm preaching something deep and good here I'm trying to I'm trying to tell you a thing that there is a there's a whole whole movement of people that think that if you stand the right way do the right thing go the right way that you can you that power of the Holy Spirit becomes your power and then you can begin to use it whenever you like however you like and you begin to think that that there's something about you that's holding your marriage together there's something about you that's holding your family together there's something about you that's saving people's lives there's something about you that's operating in power there's something about you but it is never us. See, I want you to understand that, that, that what we do is just like on the, on the, this is why these stories go so hand in hand, that while the disciples uh, were on the, on the shore and Jesus was handing them the bread, Jesus took the bread. It was the power of Jesus that separated the bread and separated the fish where it was this never ending amount of food and they would hand it to the disciples and then the disciples would go out and give it to people. What happens in the human heart and the human mind is, is we watch Jesus do a powerful thing. He gives us the bread. He gives us the fish. We turn around to go give it to the people and when we give it to the people and they say, thank you, there's something rises up in us and you feel like you are something more than just the in-between of the life and the power of Jesus and these people. You start to think that you played some part in the breaking of the bread. You played some part in the fish, that there was something about you, that there was something there that you were able to do it. And, and the more you go to Jesus and get the bread and the fish and, and, and take it back to the people, the more you do it, the longer you do it, you start to think in your own mind. The sin that still exists in us, the flesh that's still there, starts to deceive us to think that we somehow, it's, it's our power, that we now have the power to break the bread. But the power 
to break the bread and to break the fish only existed in one, and that was Jesus Christ. But what happens when we walk in victory too long, when we walk in the season on the mountaintop too long, when marriage goes too good too long, and the, the kids stop being little psychopaths too long, and, and life gets too easy, and we're getting all the promotions, and all of our prayers are getting answered, and everything's things, all of a sudden we just start walking on the water like we've all of a sudden learned some magic trick that now we've got the power, and then we do the thing that human beings just tend to do from time to time, and we forget that Jesus is the one sustaining the very life that we live. And when you get in this moment, life changes a little bit because something happens. Peter got out of the boat. Man, you got to give the guy credit. He gets a lot of bad rep, but I mean, he got out of the boat. I don't know why he wanted to do it, but he did it. I'm a little jealous. I would love to walk on water. I've tried. Doesn't work. And he's walking in Matthew 14, 30, it says, but suddenly when he saw the wind charging, I know some of the translations just say wind, but there is another word there. When he saw the wind charging, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that word doubt just for a second. That word doubt, it, 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 it's, it doesn't mean like there's 5,000 pounds up here and I doubt that I could pick it up. The word doubt here, it literally means it taking a double stance. It literally means wavering between two opinions, two views, two thoughts. Uh, it means stuck at a fork in the road and, and you... You, you can't make up your mind which way is the right way to go. And so you've got to understand the reality of what's happening. Jesus, I mean, Peter is walking out in faith, out of faith, believing the command of Jesus. He's walking on the water towards Jesus, looking at Jesus, and then suddenly he sees the wind. Now, here's the thing that you've got to understand about the wind. The wind had been there all night long. That's the reason they were, it took 10 hours and they got 10 feet. The wind, the, wind, the wind, maybe it picked up, but the reality of it was the wind had been strong, the waves had been strong, it had been like that all night, but now suddenly, all of a sudden, he notices it. When he climbed out of the boat, the wind was raging. When he took his first few steps, the wind was raging. As he was walking on the water, the wind was raging. But then suddenly, he sees it. I don't know how you act out seeing something. <laughs> I just figured if I blinked profusely at you for a few minutes, you would get it. But he sees it. And the, think the doubt. The doubt wasn't like, the doubt was now he's caught. Remember the double stance, the wavering in between two things. All of a sudden, now he's caught. Is the wind stronger than Jesus? Or is Jesus still stronger than the wind? The wind's always been there. The wind's always been present. The, 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 the wind, the waves, it's all been there. But all of a sudden, 
All of a sudden, now he sees it, he notices it, and it strikes fear into his heart, and he begins to doubt. I know that Jesus is, is strong, but can he do this? I know that Jesus can provide, but can he provide for me here? I know that Jesus can save, but can he save? I know that Jesus can guide, but can he guide here? And this is what I need you to understand about your life. What happens is, is when, when we start walking on the water, and, 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 and we, we get used to walking on water, because I need you to understand that's what our life is. You're not going to hell anymore. You're not ruled by the power of sin anymore. Death and the grave and the sin and the enemy and hell, they don't no longer have a power over you anymore. I know that you don't think about it, but you're walking on water every day of your life through the grace of Jesus Christ. Your marriage actually has a shot now. Your kids have a shot now. Your life has purpose now. I need you to understand that every day that you get out of bed in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are walking on water. Your life is one walking miracle day by day, over and over and over again. The Lord provides, the Lord guides, the Lord protects. But when you get used to walking on water and you begin to develop this idea that there's something about you that suddenly you've gained it, you've gotten there, you've arrived, now you can walk on water wherever your little heart desires. And you take that in and you stop believing and you start doubting. This is the thing I need you to understand. All of a sudden, the things that have always been there that you weren't afraid of yesterday, all of a sudden you become afraid of. The things that, that, that had always been there that you never worried about because you're just faithfully trusting Jesus, walking in faith, walking in obedience, heading towards Jesus, walking through the commands, believing him. All of a sudden, now you're worried. All of a sudden, now there's fear, the stuff that's always been there. And I need you to understand that this is the first sign that you're starting to take on and believe in your heart and your mind that you've somehow obtained the power to save, the power to provide, the power to do whatever it is that's going on in your life. All of a sudden, the things that have always been there rise up. The pride you thought that you had conquered seeps its way back in. The addiction that, that you thought you had beat starts to come back. The anger you thought that you had kicked rises up. The selfishness you thought was gone rises up. These are just the things I've struggled with. I can't go through all of them. So. And now he's caught. He's, he's double stanced. And I need you to understand what happens when you, when you get in a double stance in life. And you start wavering between two opinions, two views, two beliefs. When you start wavering between the charging winds and Jesus Christ, you come to a stop, to a halt. See, Jesus, I mean, Peter was walking on water. And I need you to catch this. He's walking on water in obedience. He's walking on water. But then the wind scares him. I need you to, all right, just for a second. The man is standing on top of water. It's bearing up his weight. And then he gets afraid of wind that's blowing. See, don't judge Peter too quickly because we do this in our life all the time. We start to walk on water with Jesus. We, we, we start to experience him in our marriage as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife. 
We start to experience him in our jobs and our careers. We start to experience him in our calling, our secret time. We start to experience him, and we get used to all the power. We get used to all the blessing. We get used to all the guidance. We get used to when we need money, it just shows up. We get used to when we have a problem with sin, the Spirit just overcomes it, and we defeat it and move on. We get used to walking in the victory and then we start to forget that it's the victory of Jesus, not the victory of Jordan, not the victory of Peter. The man's walking on water, but see, he got used to walking on water and he started worrying about the wind. And then Jesus did something that was such a massive act of love and grace. And this is the part where you gotta listen really closely. Jesus was sustaining the water, causing it to hold up. The power of Jesus was causing the water to hold up and bear the weight of Peter. He was sustaining Peter. Peter didn't have any power. Peter was just walking in obedience to Jesus. But then when Peter doubted and took a double stance and began to waver, his eyes shifted. He stopped walking in obedience. And then out of grace and love, Jesus, the Bible says, began to let him sink. Now I need to point something out to you. Have you ever seen a rock begin to sink? I mean, think about it. You ever thrown a rock out on the water and it hit the water and stayed there for a second? And then just started to go down. Nothing begins to sink. You throw a rock out on the water, it... And the Lord just put this on my heart, just a little bonus thing. Peter, you know what Peter means? The rock. Petra, the rock. See, Jesus was sustaining the water, and when he took the double stance and he began to think, I'm getting used to walking in the victory, getting used to walking on the water, starting to think there's something about me. I can do it. Jesus breaking the bread, but there's something about me. I'm, I'm getting it. I can do it. I've conquered it. I've conquered the sin. I've saved the marriage. I've raised the kids. I've done the thing. I'm the provider. I'm the this. I'm the that. All of a sudden, you start to turn and you start to waver in life, and then out of love, Jesus begins to let you sink because it wasn't until he began to sink that he refocused back on the power of Jesus and cried out, save me, Jesus. And Jesus immediately reached out and pulled him close. And I just feel almost like a father or a very, very loving football coach. You of little faith, why did you doubt? And then they climbed in the boat. The wind ceased immediately. And they just worshiped God, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Truly, Jesus, you are the Son of God. And I just felt so heavy this morning, the last few days, I've just felt so heavy, this reality, that there are some of you today, including myself, that we've just gotten so used to walking on water there's a part of us that starts to think we figured it out. And this is what happens, and I need you to remember this. I need you to see this. We forget. We forget 
all that Jesus not just has done, but is doing in this very moment. See, in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says that Jesus is not just the giver of life, but the sustainer of life. And he makes a promise and says that Jesus will sustain us through this life all the way to the day of judgment. That he is sustaining us as we walk day by day. It's his power. It's his spirit. It's his presence. It's his words. It's his truth. It's Jesus, the name of Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Creator and the Savior. It is Jesus. It is never you. And Jesus, when, at times when we forget this, He'll let us sink just a little bit to refocus us, to turn us back to Him. Because we will forever be dependent on the power of Jesus Christ. We will forever be dependent on the bread of life. We will forever be dependent on the Alpha and the Omega. We will forever be dependent on the name of Jesus Christ. Our victory is in Jesus. Not just this salvation, but through this life, every ounce of who we are is being sustained by the power of Jesus Christ. We cannot forget that we live day by day being sustained by Jesus. That's why the Bible says when we pray, ask for our daily bread. That's why when Israel was out in the desert that God would provide the manna new every morning. We need a fresh meal, a fresh moment, a fresh power of God every single day of our lives. We can't just walk on the water believing that we could sustain on our own might and our own power. We need Jesus every day in the same way that we needed him yesterday and the day before and the day before. You guys will stand with